Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm Steve Letarte, STP auto expert and former crew chief. I know what it takes to keep engines performing at their best. STP's latest breakthrough additive, STP Ultra 5-in-1 plus Fuel System Cleaner plus Fuel Stabilizer, delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline and helps keep fuel fresh during storage. For over 60 years, STP has been on the cutting edge developing products to help engines run better, longer. One bottle contains three times by weight the amount of cleaning agents compared to 20 gallons of the leading premium gasoline. Greetings. Welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. Our guest this week is Jill Gregory, who was named NASCAR's Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer in August. Jill's been working at NASCAR for more than nine years. Prior to that, she also worked in marketing roles at Bank of America, Sprint, and Texaco, much of it involving motorsports. As the CMO at NASCAR, Jill is tasked with helping build the NASCAR audience and attract an appeal to a new segment of fans. The playoffs just started, and NASCAR is taking some new approaches to get people interested and make the drivers more relatable. So I talked with Jill about some of those strategies, as well as the challenges faced in modern-day marketing. How do you choose which social media platform to use? How do you promote future stars before they've actually had success on track? Uh, the ethics of using in unfortunate moments for drivers to help market drama that can build interest in NASCAR. We touched on all of that, and we also talked on touched about some uh, or talked about some specific points to NASCAR, such as why the branding of rounds in the chase for the Sprint Cup was eliminated. NASCAR going in a different direction on how they were kind of branding the playoffs each round, and Jill uh, explained and had some thoughts on that. This is a little different than some of our recent podcast guests. Usually we've been talking lately to NASCAR stars and personalities. Jill certainly is more of a behind-the-scenes player, but she's extremely intelligent, very articulate, very well-informed, and she's got some really good perspective about the stories NASCAR wants to tell and how it's trying to tell them. So I think it's a worthy discussion, albeit slightly unconventional, than what you might be accustomed to hearing here recently. Uh, as somebody who's really into policy and process, uh, I really liked it, and I hope that you'll enjoy it. I think Jill and others like her, I think whenever we can kind of pull back the curtain a little bit and talk to some people who have a different perspective on NASCAR, I think you can learn a little bit more about it when you talk to somebody who views it. Uh, through a different prism. And I think that's what what Jill certainly uh, helped us do in this conversation. So we appreciate you listening. If you're hearing us via iTunes, please leave a rating or review or please subscribe or have a friend subscribe. Uh, It really helps us out. There are many other options for finding us. Audio Boom, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, among them, virtually anywhere you can download a podcast to your smartphone, you should be able to find the NASCAR and NBC podcast. NASCAR will be in New Hampshire with Sprint Cup and Kentucky with Xfinity this weekend. NBCSN is the place for coverage of both series races and qualifying sessions this weekend. So go to NBCSN to check out uh, Sprint Cup at New Hampshire and Kentucky at Xfinity this weekend. A reminder that all of our NASCAR coverage always is available for streaming via the NBC Sports app. You can download that to your tablet or smartphone or watch on your laptop. So now let's get to our conversation with Jill Gregory, which we taped at the NASCAR Plaza building in Uptown Charlotte on Monday, September 12th. Jill, thanks for being here. Uh, I want to start with, this is not to like make you feel old, but I want to start with how long you've been doing this. <laughs> <Too> because <late. laughs> 
<laughs> no, I should never preface a question like that right. because immediately that's just going to make you think of it right. in these terms. You've, you've got a, a broad and varied background. So I wanted to start there and start with your college education. You, you graduated from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Is that correct? I did. And a lot of people don't know where Cal Poly San Luis Obispo is. I know where it is, but um, you can tell them. <laughs> it's nicely tucked in between San Francisco and Los Angeles on the central coast of California. So beautiful place to grow up and obviously get your education there while you're at it. So I used to live in uh, that area in California. Oh. And, well, not in that area, I should say. I, I lived in Southern California for okay. three years. And so many a time I drove up PCH and right. would stop in. Beautiful uh, drive. Yes, San Luis Obispo. So, of course, my next question would be, why would you ever leave <laughs> once you have been on the central coast of California? Well, that's a really good question. And I think a lot of my college, my college roommate in particular, and a lot of the folks I went to college with, um, everyone would love to stay uh, in San Luis, as we uh -huh. call it. But um, you know, it's a great college town. But once you want to go into the working world and, and get beyond um, the small town college life. You've got to go elsewhere. And I ended up in Charlotte. You probably can't be CMO of a professional, major professional sport from San Luis Obispo. Well, I've pitched it a couple times to <laughs> Steve Phelps and Brian and others, but I haven't quite sold it in yet. <laughs> All right. So you started there and then your career progression. I know you've worked for a few places. It's you know primarily been agencies, sports marketing. Tell me about how you uh, got from there to, to NASCAR. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I get asked a lot. Um, you know, Charlotte, North Carolina is a ways away from, from Cal Poly. And um, I've always been interested in sports. Mm -hmm. And uh, the sports agency that I worked with in California led me to Texaco, which uh, obviously was a huge uh, sponsor of motorsports, not just NASCAR, but other forms of motorsports as well. So handled the sponsorships for them. Um, and as you know, probably Nate, um, better than most, once you get into the NASCAR community, um, you build relationships there, uh, it's hard to get out. So I was able to build a lot of relationships at Texaco that uh, I parlayed into uh, roles at Nextel and Bank of America and, um, and joined the league uh, NASCAR about... Uh, Gosh, and now you're making me nervous about dating myself. <laughs> about nine years ago, I, I came on to NASCAR in 2007. Did you always know that sports was the direction you wanted to go, Jill? You know, I did. I didn't know how to make a career in it, but I knew I always participated in sports growing up. I'm one of three girls. Uh, my dad really interested in sports and my mom as well. So we always played and and participated and followed. Big San Francisco Giants fan and San Francisco 49er fan. Um, so ups and downs there, but always knew that sports was of interest and just lucky enough to be able to make a living in it. Right. Uh, and so you grew up in California. And, I did, and yeah. Did you know racing, or was it more other? You, you know, not really top of mind at the time. Obviously, I saw um, a, a feature on the post-race of Richmond on Saturday, and I think California has the most chase drivers represented. At least that's what uh, Krista right. and the gang said on the post-race. Um, so, um, but at that time, you know, when I was growing up and trying to find a career, um, we had limited exposure to motorsports, but, you know, obviously stick and ball sports were more top of mind. Um, I had three cousins growing up the same age as my sisters and I, and they were huge motorsports fans. It took me to uh, Sears Point Raceway at the time, again, dating myself, um, and um, they always had an interest in NASCAR and kind of got me to follow it a little bit. But when I got my first job working in the sport, um, they were quite jealous because they felt they were the ones that, that introduced me to the sport and they should have the credit and the job <laughs> that I have. But I try to repay them with hot passes and tickets <laughs> when I can. I think that's a fair trade. Yeah. That's good compensation for getting you to this this lofty perch, which, yes. uh, as we've mentioned, you're the chief marketing officer at NASCAR. And we were just talking before we started. You're, uh, we're taping this on the Monday after Richmond, before Chicagoland, and before you head out to Chicago for the playoff opener. You said you're going to be going to New York for a Game Changers conference with the female CMOs of the NBA and the NFL. So yes. uh, tell me about that. That must be pretty – oh, I guess I was thinking about it before I came up here and talked to you, Joe, and I don't know if it's – is it something that, like, that you're proud of because, hey, women are fairly underrepresented, in my opinion, in some major executive levels, and we're finally reaching the point of where we're seeing more – or is it more like, hey, it's about time – 
Uh, how do you feel about that? Yeah, it's a good question. I think that um, I think the thing that I feel most proud about or that I take the most pleasure in is that it gives an example uh, for some of the folks not only here at NASCAR but even in our industry um, that there's opportunities for women and that you can be successful. Um, so showing um, kind of my colleagues here at NASCAR and, and elsewhere that, um, you know, hard work and relationships and, and um, creativity can get you a long way. But I think from a day-to-day standpoint, you know, and I would assume that it's, this is the same kind of talking to my um, counterparts, you don't think about being the female CMO um, in your day-to-day. You just sure. approach the job and try to get it done. And um, But it's nice to get that recognition and to showcase, um, you know, for others that that you can do great things if you're given the opportunity. I would think like just beyond the, the glass ceiling aspect of it, there is just the cold business side of it from corporate America's perspective. And especially with NASCAR, I, I think, is it still 40% of the fan base? Is yes. female? So I would think, is it, is it, you feel like an, on some level it's recognition, not just of your talent and others that you are worthy of, of you know, gender not mattering and it just be, should be based on merit, but also cognizant of the fact that, hey, we're marketing to women and you're going to have a unique perspective on it that obviously I wouldn't. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, particularly as, you know, we've evolved or I've evolved from the industry services role to industry services and marketing, um, you know, having that perspective of what's going to be appealing to our fans, male, female, young, diverse, you know, avid fans, um, you know, on any person that I try to have on our team or that we promote in our team kind of has a different perspective and provides a little bit different insight. I think if we had the same group of people working on our business, um, you know, it's not going to make for the best creative that we can provide or the best fan engagement opportunities we can provide. Mm-hmm. I was reading a, a story uh, in which you were quoted, Jill, and you were talking about like how to appeal to women and from a NASCAR perspective, what they want to read about or consume or what gets them interested. And I think essentially what you said was that they were more interested in kind of the the personality narratives and and what makes the drivers tick. Is that that kind of fair? Is that kind of how it breaks down? Is it? Yeah, I think so. But I think, you know, our fans are unique and you know this again as best as anyone is that, you know, they want avid fans male female fans want to know what the drivers are doing you know obviously yeah. the the drivers are we call it the gateway drug um to nascar <laughs> fandom which is probably not politically correct but um you know we want you know the more they can find out about those drivers what their interests are what how they got into racing you know hometowns um and that's true of fans regardless of gender um and i think you know the other thing we found through research is that fans want to see drivers that are competitive on the racetrack and that, that, you know, have that passion and that fire. Um, you see this kind of coming to the surface during the chase timeframe in particular, but, um, you know, I think that getting behind the scenes and having that way to interact with the drivers and understand why they do what they do and that they're different, that, you know, it's not just one, you know, big pool of drivers they're exactly the same that each one of them has kind of their own individual traits or the reason why they got here or motivations the more we can pull that out the better that we're going to appeal to fans of regardless of age gender um you know or whatever group they're in I'm definitely using drivers as a gateway drug in a future story. I love it. Uh, Don't attribute it to me. <laughs> obviously, yeah. Obviously, this conversation is completely on background, uh, yeah, aside from the thousands of people yes. who download it on their smartphones right. and listen. I'm just kidding. It's just totally fine. Just between us, Nate. Just yeah, just between us. us. Well, using that analogy without repeating it, what, what do people get into after they're hooked on the drivers' personality. You mentioned, it. is that like an opportunity then to kind of introduce them to another facet or another area of the sport? And what, what areas do you, I guess, then send them to once they find that, hey, I'm really interested in this sport because of the personalities. What else can I learn? Well, I think that, you know, once they kind of, we pique their interest um, about the driver storylines, it's, you know, this intense competition. We want to drive them to actually watch the racing and the competition um, on the track. You know, we're giving them opportunities to interact with the drivers, um, you know, digitally and socially, which is, you know, format that they haven't had the opportunity to do um, before. So, you know, we want them to just consume more NASCAR in whichever way they do that. Um, you know, obviously we're not, um, we're not greedy. We want them to do it all. But I think the, the different touch points we can provide um, just makes them that much more interested and that much more engaged as a fan. 
I, I didn't write down their names, and if I had, I'd probably be worried about mispronouncing them. But the, the female CMOs at the NBA and the NFL, have you do you interact with them very much, and do you do you share notes or, or talk about things? Yeah, I think the challenging part is that we all have very um, demanding schedules and, and yeah. issues and, and challenges that we have to address in our own right. But I think that at the conferences like Game Changers, um, you know, like some of these annual conferences, it's good to be able to. Um, ask questions and compare notes and, and see, you know, if we're facing the same challenges. So um, I'm looking forward to it um, from that standpoint. And it's not just the folks that I'm going to be on the panel with, but all of the other attendees there too. So, you know, sometimes within NASCAR, the challenge of our season and we're, we're in a different place every week um, makes it a little harder to do that when most of some of the other league offices are headquartered in New York and they have an opportunity to interact with each other quite a bit more. Um, So that makes me want to maximize these opportunities as much as I can. Anything in particular that you're taking with you in your notepad to New York to, to ask about? You know, I don't think so. I think we're all looking, you know, the fan engagement and deepening that and and leading with digital and social, which is something that we've done. I see, you know, obviously I take more than a passing interest in what the other leagues are doing. Mm -hmm. Um, But you can see that the athlete engagement, bringing the fans closer to the sport, whether it's, um, you know, us, you know, NASCAR doing it through social media and a Snapchat live story or the NFL doing it through even seeing over the weekend some of their creative, very player centric and driver centric for us. So just kind of comparing notes on the similarities, I think are interesting because I think there are a lot more um, similarities uh, than might be apparent to to maybe the layman. Right. So I've, I've worked in media for almost 20 years, Jill, and I have covered marketing per se, and I've written about it. I've talked about it, but I don't know if I fully understand. If somebody asked me to define marketing, I would probably do a really mediocre job of trying to be articulate to explain what it is. Obviously, you have been in it, immersed in it throughout your career. I, I guess two things. like one, How would you define marketing, the essence of, of the job and what you do? And then what do you love about it? What, what made you want to do, be in this field? Uh, I think that, you know, you're asking me the hard questions today, Nate. We didn't, uh, <laughs> we didn't cram for this one overnight. When this I was one doing should be natural. <laughs> you, know, I, you know what? I, you know, the immediate thing that, that came to mind when you asked that question is I think marketing almost makes it, you know, the definition of marketing makes it sound more clinical than it is. We want to expose the sport and all of the great things that we know it to be to as many people as we possibly can and have them enjoy the same experience that we do. So, you know, if along the way that makes them want to watch more uh, NASCAR and NBC, if it makes them want to come to more live races, then that's the marketing piece of it. But really, it's kind of sharing the passion. I think that we have that we see in this building or you know if you've been in it for 20 years you see it in the media center there's a reason we do this and Mm -hmm. so kind of almost evangelizing that story and exposing more people to me that's how we're trying to market nascar and why do you love it same reasons i just said i mean it's you know i think that it's unpredictable it's you know there are so many personal stories involved in what we do um relationships you know i think that a lot of times the family aspect of nascar um gets talked about but i think you don't fully appreciate it until you work in the sport um and some days it it feels different than others but it always feels like um a place a sport a business where you can make a living and get your job done, but also enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to capture that. I, you know, I, I'm sure people hear us talk about NASCAR as a family and kind of maybe roll their eyes and say, it can't be like that. And I think it's the same as, you know, any other family. It's like, there's some things, some days you love it. Some days you're like, you know, you want to tear your hair out, but every day you feel happy and positive about what you're doing every day and, and proud to be a part of it. I'm Dale Jarrett, NASCAR Hall of Famer and Sprint Cup champion. Join me and others weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern for NASCAR America. You'll see interviews with NASCAR's biggest stars and get all the latest news. NASCAR America, weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. And one of those ways to engage the fans certainly is through promotional type things like Ready, Set, Chase. Ready, Set, Chase. Which the Sports Business Journal today had, uh, I think, the first glimpse of the videos, and I saw interspersing 
a mailman on the run with animals being chased and chasing with shots of cars on the track and three wide. So what's, uh, I guess, what's the overarching kind of kind of goal here, Jill, that the message that's being sent is essentially that, hey, this is a lot of th- people in pursuit of one goal, and that's the reason you should watch? Yeah, I think, yeah, that, that distills it down pretty nicely. I think, you know, the, the idea with the chase creative is that um, the intensity and the stakes are higher when you're being chased. And there's always, you know, that means someone's chasing you and you want to be out in front. So, mm-hmm. you know, ideally we're going to draw that parallel and the fan will see that that um, intensity just continues to ratchet up as you're being chased through this 10-week period. So we had some really good success with the season launch campaign where we used a similar approach um, and it was really about the universal love of racing. And it had, and if you um, remember the creative, it had two women competing with each other on the treadmill. Yeah. And it had, um, you know, f- two guys racing for the elevator. And it's like, you know, I right. see it when I'm riding on um, Interstate 77 every day. It's like, <laughs> why did that guy get in front of me? I need to now get in front of him. Um, so this universal, you know, love and understanding of racing um, is now evolved into that click up and in intensity now that the chase has started. So there's a chaser and a chasee and, and all of those drivers that uh, are in the chase are going to have to to up their game, if you will, to, to keep from being right. um, chased and caught. Yeah. See, now when you just said that, it, it triggered the memory. This is the same creative that had uh, like two siblings racing for a spot in the bathroom yes. to brush their teeth or yes. to get shot. The okay. door slam. Yeah. That one, that one I remember because yes. it reminded me of me and my sister. Right. So uh, obviously <laughs> that resonated with me. How do you mm-hmm. know that something like that, when you try it, it's resonating with fans enough that you, we want to say, ooh, we should try this again right. for our big launch for the playoffs? Well, I think what we do, we try to always. Um, make any decision with some fan insights so we know what they liked, um, what fans liked about engaging with the chase campaign. Um, I'm sorry, with the with the season launch campaign. Um, so we knew that that, you know, using those examples that, you know, you immediately identified with the slamming of the door when your sister beat you to the bathroom, right. I'm guessing, yep. um, and knowing that you weren't going to get in there for another hour or so. <laughs> um, you know, we knew that kind of translating what we were trying to communicate into readily kind of recognizable, um, you know, points in time would help. And that kind of brings it to life. So we did the the chase, the car footage interspersed with um, another brother and sister scene where the, the brother takes his doll, his sister's doll and rubs it in the mud. And then she immediately chases him. We're hoping that that kind of those examples of seeing folks that are, are reacting kind of in, in a human nature kind of way will bring kind of the idea of the chase to life. Right. And what I like about it, too, is that it also is showing the on-track action. It's showing, I think, some highlights from, from last year's playoffs. And what I was struck by is that uh, this is a much different strategy that was employed by another broadcast partner to promote the Daytona 500. Uh, in that case, the focus was entirely on young people partying and having fun with hardly any shots of racing. And effectively, the message there to me, at least, was, you know, NASCAR is cool because these hipsters or bros or young party people are, are planning a Sunday in February around Daytona because of it. Right. Um, was the chase marketing strategy informed by how that was received at all? And, and how was that received? And this would qualify as a tough question. Yeah. No, I think that, um, you know, when we approached the campaign, whether it was the season launch campaign for what, how we promoted the chase, how NASCAR promoted the chase or the season launch, and then how we're promoting the chase, it's everything we do is about the on-track competition. And Mm -hmm. so if it doesn't feature that footage or that universal truth about racing and competition and this being the, these are the best drivers in the world battling each and every week, um, we're never going to go away from that. We have to figure out how to, um, with every new campaign, how do you get it back to the on-track action? Because you know, whatever by whatever research uh, method we use, um, we can talk about any of the social aspects or the attending a race, but fans, young, old, avid, casual, they want to know what's happening on the track. That's our core product. So right. you'll always see us focus on that. Um, and highlight that and make that interesting to the fans. So, you know, we knew that we have an opportunity with the chase. 
um, to highlight that spike in intensity. Um, so we just had to figure out a way to make that come to life. But the um, the idea of, of not having race footage or the on-track competition um, featured in those promotional materials that we wouldn't we wouldn't do a campaign like that. Do you think it can work if done correctly? I know that like the one I'm referring to was Fox at Daytona. Sure. That was a, that was not your promotion, but can that work? Or is that, is that kind of like an outside the box sort of thing? NASCAR wants to keep, keep it focused more on the cars. No, I think drivers. it can work. Yeah. I think that there are some really great social aspects to the Daytona 500, as long yeah. as we don't lose sight of what is happening on the racetrack, either leading up to making the Daytona 500 um, or what the drivers are doing to prepare for the season. There's so many compelling storylines that mm-hmm. I think if you make sure to include and, and wrap your arms around that competition piece of it, then you can and also kind of engage fans to come out and see what it's all about. You know, I don't think you have to be a hardcore, avid fan to enjoy the Daytona 500 because, as you know, it's a, a spectacle in itself. It's just a matter of marrying up the the social and, and fun aspects of also seeing, you know, some of the most intense competition from the top drivers in the world. Right. I've taken a, a peek at some of the other uh, videos you're going to have, Jill, and I know one of them involves sort of like an action movie, Jason Bourne, James Bond feel. I don't want to give it away completely, but there's, well, I guess by the time this comes out, yeah. it'll already be out. Sure. Uh, okay. So I'll just spill the beans. Kyle Busch being chased by all of his uh, peers who are dressed in their fire suits and in their helmets. Uh, and it sort of looks like, like born identity right. or something like that. Uh, who came up with that? And, and how, how, how pleased were you with, by the way it turned out? I, I actually love it. I think it's going to be great. If anyone that's listening hasn't seen it yet, I'm excited for fans to see it. I think that, you know, what we were trying to do is, you know, as I mentioned with the season launch campaign and also very important for the chase is we are leading with digital and social content. So obviously the the great television creative you'll see run on, on NBC for the chase, um, you know, will highlight that intensity of and the stakes being higher during the chase time frame. But the digital film really takes kind of the chase idea and puts it into an environment and a place that you would be surprised and and it'll be unexpected. So it brings the chase to life in these digital films that might pique somebody's interest and say, okay, look, that looks really cool and interesting. And I'm seeing Kyle Busch, you know, slide through kind of this rain slicking street. And right. I'm going to see how that translates into what happens on the track. And the interesting part is that we have the teaser video, which I think is what you've seen. But throughout the chase time frame, we will be cutting new segments of this chase video based on what has happened on the track. So after each uh, elimination race, you'll see us go shoot. Based on the storylines that happen on the track, we'll shoot a new version of that digital film. So it will bring the chase to life in a new and interesting way. So fans can watch it unfold on the track and then they can see how we kind of dramatize it in the week um, post-elimination round and and make it come to life in that way. And so we think that's going to be this shareable, fun content that'll give fans a reason to engage during the full 10-week period. I can see why, as you say, like fans' interest certainly would be, would be piqued by that because it is interesting to see these guys running through the streets. But with the exception of maybe Jimmy Johnson, a, a few others, Matt Kenseth, Edwards, not all these guys are athletes. Uh, how, do you, how do they respond? The cooperation level, obviously they're going to do what you, what you want, but like, right. does it require like some coaxing or, coaxing or convincing or prodding that like, hey, this is, trust us here. Yeah. <laughs> if, if we put you in a fire suit, Kyle Busch, and make right. you run, this is going right. to look cool. Yeah, so in most cases, you know, we just shot a lot of it preseason. So uh-huh. they done some. Um, I think we shot, you know, mid mid to mid August, I think, um, and got a lot of creative there. And I think as you as we go through the chase period, we'll use a lot of driver stunt doubles, and you'll see drivers in their suits interspersed with whatever the real time track footage is going to be. So shouldn't be too taxing. Shouldn't. Um, you know, violate any clauses in any driver contracts that they can't do dangerous activities, but it will showcase the drivers that are having good success in the chase um, and make sure that they're seen in these, you know, each iteration of the new digital film. So again, just a kind of a different way to pique fans' interest and have them get excited for what the next round is going to bring. And you get buy-in from the drivers. They all like doing it. They like... We do. You know, I think that... The interesting thing when we brought the guys out um, 
in August is that it was different. It's something we haven't tried before. It's not, you know, a typical commercial that they would normally shoot. Um, you know, we tried not to, to overtax them in the initial shoot process, but, you know, Kyle had to do several takes. You know, he's the star of the <laughs> teaser video because right. of his position as the, as the Sprint Cup champion. Um, but I think, you know, almost unanimously, it was like, wow, this is cool. This is something that I would want to watch if I wasn't a driver and I was watching this um, kind of in another sport. So I think anything that we can do to make it unique and interesting for them, we have a lot of success at. A few other moderately tough questions. Okay. You got rid of uh, some of the branding from the last two years in terms of uh, the naming of the rounds. Why did you do that? You know, I think that, you know, at the end of the day, we need to make our sport accessible and easy to consume. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that sports fans, whether they're motorsports fans, NASCAR fans, um, stick and ball, they are familiar with a certain vernacular, and we wanted to keep it simple. I think sometimes... Um, you know, you can out clever yourself and, and we, um, you know, at the time that we instituted the new chase format with the elimination rounds, um, you know, that was an important distinction to make to try to showcase what these rounds meant. But, you know, after more research, you know, a lot of input from our partners, it's how can we communicate this in the easiest way to the fans, both casual and avid, that they know what's happening. And it's very easy to understand round of 16, round of eight, um, so we wanted to make it as easy as possible for fans to engage with us. Right. Uh, I've noticed, Jill, that like since 14, uh, with the elimination rounds now, there's been, and I think like NBC certainly is complicit in it, I'm complicit in it at least, uh, like I, I'm more comfortable calling it a playoff now than ever before. Are you? Is NASCAR good with that? That it's, it's kind of catching on more, you know, as you said, like that kind of consistency across pro sports, postseasons, it's first round, second round, whatever. Like, is it okay if it's just called playoffs and – not necessarily chase all the time is nascar good with that or you know i think so i think that obviously our fans very well versed in the vernacular of our sport whether it's you know the round of wedge that has to come out in a pit stop or you know things that the the crew chiefs are doing and communicating with the drivers during the race um so we did a lot of research on this and our fans are know what the chase means they know that the chase um you know really that's our playoffs but that's that the playoff time period is a sports term that's universal across, you know, any, any sort of, of sporting event. So I think the fact that we've been able to make the chase synonymous with playoffs and they can be used interchangeable, that's great for us. Um, you know, we obviously, the chase is, um, got a lot of equity for us, but we know if we're going to explain it to, you know, a variety of fans that we can use both, um, terms and, and be comfortable with it. Right. What is the uh, toughest part about breaking through the clutter uh, from a marketing perspective. I hear that phrase a lot. Again, I don't even know if I always understand what it means, but I, I presume it's because there's so many different ways to reach people now, especially in terms of social media platforms. I know NASCAR has certainly tried to be active everywhere, Twitter, Facebook, yeah. Snapchat, Instagram. Um, is that the toughest part of reaching people is to know how to marshal your resources and where to concentrate to kind of get people engaged or involved or... Yeah, I think, you know, if anyone has unlimited budgets, you know, they would, you know, paper the entire, you know, communications um, landscape in, and be dominant in every platform. But I think, you know, we're no different than any other league. We've got to figure out where our fans are and how to reach them. So I think the biggest change for us has been um, we had to make our sport consumable away from the track and away from um, – from the broadcasts and, and marry up some of that great um, content that, that fans were used to seeing either by watching NBC or Fox or, or going to a race and making NASCAR accessible, you know, Monday through Thursday, you know, midnight to, to 8 a.m. And, and go where the fans are. So I think that what we're trying to do um, is figure out what platforms they're on now or where they're going to go. And then how do we make NASCAR relevant in those channels? And that's means it's more work and more time. Um, you know, it was certainly a lot easier when all we had to worry about was a 30 second television spot and when it was going to run. But, you know, that would assume that our fans are consuming it the same way and they're consuming it much differently. So we, um, you know, continue to focus on how do we bring NASCAR to where 
the fans are versus the other way around. And that's digitally, that's socially, and that's in addition to kind of our traditional partnerships. Socially, is there one platform that you're more focused on, or do you see more results from one platform than another, or is it hard to say? It is hard to say. I think that, you know, when you see the Chase um, timeframe rollout, you're going to see us very engaged with kind of four main platforms. You'll see us with Facebook and Facebook Live, with Snapchat, with the two live stories. Um, you'll see us with Twitter, and you also see us with Instagram. And so we've got to curate the content differently for those four channels. Um, and some of the storylines will dictate that. But we, you know, we have a group of folks right now that's figuring out what's the best way to represent NASCAR on those four channels and that those four where we're seeing the most success. But we also have to have people looking at what's the next platform and, um, you know, Vine and Periscope and some other offshoots are in those four, but that's where we're going to focus for this year's chase and kind of see where it leads us. Uh, I want to read you something a couple of years ago in a story you recorded the saying that um, a lot of the work that you've been doing over the past few years was kind of changing the the stereotypes of NASCAR and and showing people, especially now with this youth movement we, that we currently have with the, the Kyle Larsons of, of the world and Chase Elliott's, that our drivers are young, they're hip, as you said, California, a lot of them around the country. It isn't just a southeastern-based regional sport. Uh, how, what's been the most successful way to, to drive that message home and I guess how do you drive that message home is that a is that a constant thing that's always in the background or do, do you have like you know, specifically targeted ways of telling people hey all the people a lot of the people you're going to see in this race come from the west coast yeah I think there's a combination of both you know not to to waffle on that but I think that you know the youth movement or that as we talked about earlier the driver star power initiative and and telling people a little insider information about a driver, whether it's Kyle Larson, who's, you know, been waiting to break through for his first win and, and finally got it, or if it's a driver like Jimmy Johnson, who's, you know, on the comeback trail, um, and he'd probably hate it if I said that. Sorry, Jimmy. Um, <laughs> but, you, you know, mind. he had so many years of dominance, and now, you know, there's that intrigue of, you know, yeah. can he get back and, and capture it? I think that, you know, that interest in the drivers and whatever their storyline is, is top of mind. And we've had to instill that at NASCAR. I think that, you know, for many years, we kind of let the on-track storylines play out and we would highlight them when it made sense. And, mm -hmm. and obviously got very lucky with, you know, Jeff Gordon and Dale Earnhardt Sr. And those are very compelling. Um, but, you know, we realized, you know, several years ago that the league, that NASCAR needed to take a more active role in really pushing these storylines up and showing fans who some of these young drivers are. So the, when they do have that breakout moment that, you know, fans are like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Kyle Larson won. Danny Suarez won. Um, I saw something about him later or earlier, and now he's really making it. So, you know, I think it's incumbent on us to showcase as many drivers as we can. Some are going to have that breakout moment and some aren't. And, yeah. and that's okay with us because if we're investing time and resources in drivers across a wide swath, then many of those are going to pan out and, and we want fans to know about those guys and gals. That's interesting because I feel like you know, 15 years ago when they had the Young Guns movement and it, you had the, you know, Dale Jr. and Jimmy Johnson and Matt Kenseth, you know, Ryan Newman, Kurt Busch, like all of those guys sort of like emerged at the same time right. and they, they got kind of branded in a way. And it, But it was easy because they had success right. that made them names. Right. And now it, does it does it get tricky at all? Like you said, you, you want to be prepared for when they have that breakout moment and and lay the groundwork for it. I agree with you. That's, that's yeah. smart strategy. But right. yet, is it tricky to sort of like say, hey, <laughs> this guy's going to win. Trust right. us. Right. And here's why you should like him when he does. Yeah. It's hard because I was actually having a, a conversation with a very successful Sprint Cup driver um, just like a week or two ago. And he's like, you need these guys to win. I'm like, I know. Can you pull over and let them win? You know, help somebody out. Um, but it is, it's a balance because on, you know, in every measure that we look at and every fan data, winning on the track is crucial. Um, and that's, that's the number one thing that's going to make people old fan, yeah. um, you know, across demos, um, you know, Hispanic, everybody wants to see a winner and then you can build on that but you also have to do that pre-work you know we've got a, a competitive sport landscape right now where it's you know thousands of a second are you know um 
or the margin of victory in some of these races, or you look at the qualifying times, um, you know, on a Friday or a, or a Saturday, and, you know, it's more competitive than it's ever been. And so it's very hard to say if if Kyle Larson hasn't won yet, it's not because he doesn't have the talent. It's just that the competitive landscape is so tough. So, you know, I think that, you know, we worry about what we can do to tell these drivers stories. Um, and I let Steve O'Donnell and the folks up at the R&D Center worry about kind of competitive <laughs> balance uh, on the track. Um, but it's something we look at. But, you know, obviously that you mentioned earlier, that's what makes sports compelling. It's that's what happens. And if, you know, Jimmy Johnson wins six championships, you know, that might not be the best storyline, but that's a competitive dominance that you won't see in, sure. in a long time. So I think that there's pluses and minuses to all of it. Right. Uh, is that the biggest hook, do you think, for, uh, you know, I know there's so much focus on getting younger fans involved. Is it is it as simple as just having millennial age drivers have success? No, because I think that I there are driver, there are young fans that might idolize you know a driver like a jeff gordon who's been around for a long time and Mm -hmm. maybe their father you know always followed jeff gordon and so i think that it helps i mean obviously um the youth movement as you referenced um you know having drivers that have interests that are similar to a younger fan base obviously very helpful i think drivers that have grown up in the digital and social age that you know are avid users of all the social media platforms we talked about that just that's makes it easier for us to to promote in those channels but you know i think that each driver is a little bit different and obviously we want those young drivers to be successful but you know our veterans being um highly competitive on the track is helpful too because there's so much choice there for a fan to to engage with right last one i know this one's very broad but is there maybe not a magic bullet, but is there something that you see as most important to getting younger fans involved, to getting that next generation? You know, I don't think that there's a magic bullet. I think that, you know, we we have to have all the ingredients and, and have it come out the, the way we want to. We need, you know, drivers that are um, competitive, passionate, and that that personality shows through. Um, you know, that on-track success we need to be promoting in places where a younger fan is. So um, being aggressive about going and putting NASCAR in places where you wouldn't expect to see it, whether that's digital and social channels through our marketing campaign, whether it's the work that our LA office does to put drivers into these, you know, MTV's ridiculousness. I'm not a, a regular viewer of that show, but my nephews are, <laughs> yeah. and they love it. I've never heard um, of it. <laughs> okay, so that'll be a homework assignment. There we go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, we had Chase Elliott on, we had Bubba Wallace on, and it's a, an MTV millennial show where, um, you know, I don't know that you and I would be the, the core viewer, but certainly exposes a NASCAR driver to a fan that might say, hmm, I didn't think a NASCAR driver would look like that, act right. like that, talk like that. Um, so it's basically just us trying to showcase what we all know and love. And this goes back to one of our earlier themes. There's so much content and so many interesting stories that happen each and every week. We, It's our job to really amplify that and showcase it to as many people as we can. So if that's in a certain channel for a younger fan and a different channel for an older fan, we're going to continue to try to reach those fans wherever they are versus having them come to us. And if we do that, we'll be successful. So sad. I don't know any MTV programming anymore. I used to be so up on it. It used to be videos. I know. (laughs) That's what I heard. I don't know. Now it's just reality TV and ridiculousness. Okay. See, yeah. You're going to be a regular viewer. (laughs) Yeah, I will go do my homework and learn that show. Okay, so uh, you're heading to New York, then Chicago. Are you on the road the rest of the year? Pretty much. So, you know, one kind of interesting tidbit about these digital films that, you know, when we're recreating the chase, it means we have to go shoot every week immediately after the elimination races. So um, in addition to kind of the regular chase travel, as you might see, um, we're going to have shooting of those spots because you only have if it'll need to launch the following weekend which means you've got three days to shoot edit and get on air um as you know it's 
not as simple as shooting it no. and just sending it over. <laughs> nope. uh, so there's that. And I think that one thing we didn't mention is that we now have the chase in the NASCAR Xfinity Series and the NASCAR oh, yeah, Camping yeah. World Truck Series. So making sure that um, you know we're doing all the things we need to to promote the drivers in those two series, that's going to be, I think those storylines are going to be very compelling too. kind of that added, you know, intensity and drama that we've seen with the Sprint Cup Series chase will now be um, in, you know, Xfinity and Camping World Truck. And I think we've seen through some recent activities that those drivers are pretty passionate about, um, you know, making their mark on the track as well. So I think we'll have a lot of good storylines coming out of that. All right. So now I, I lied because you just said three things that made me okay. ask, want to ask you a couple more Sweet. things. All right. So truck and Xfinity, will you, will you do as much promotion first year? Obviously, it's, it's going to be different. I'm sure it won't be at a commensurate level with Cup because right. Cup is – the granddaddy um but is it also maybe the first year with these series you kind of want to feel your way and get your feet wet and see what works and what doesn't before you really go hard promotional wise or you know what we want to do we didn't you know obviously we've talked about the the knowledge of our fan base so we don't really have to educate the the fans on what the format is but you know i think one of the things you'll see us do in in both of those series is educate them on who the drivers are so you'll see us do uh, driver vignettes, a lot of profiles, a lot of digital and social activity to showcase those drivers because, um, you know, that's another way to really bring them up through the ranks is if they're now um, chase drivers in their respective series, then there's a reason to to pay attention and, and kind of see what's happening there. So I think most of our activity will be about showcasing who those drivers are. And as the storylines play out during the chase, kind of you won't see digital films and things like that, but you'll see a lot of, of driver profiles and insights on on who the drivers are and what makes them successful. Gotcha. And you mentioned, obviously, sly reference there to Cole Custer and John Hunter Nemechek in there. I don't think I, set I, to, I didn't name any names, <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't name any names. <laughs> and we, we also were uh, talking before this started, and um, you mentioned that uh, there were some incidents at Richmond, which you also didn't name any names. But I obviously am well aware that, that I'm I'm a fan of that. I mean, and I, I think fans like that. That's drama. That's the, the soap opera quality that I think people need and want from sports, all sports, not just NASCAR. Uh, but you know some of these drivers fairly well, well, Joe. And I always ascribe to this theory that what's bad for them is often good for us, be it in media or marketing. Uh, do you feel, what's it like for you, I guess, when as a marketer, you have to sort of <laughs> take uh, these great moments that are not really great for the drivers involved, but right. are great for us in terms of right. telling the story and, and make it a big deal and then see these people at the track every week. Does that ever get uncomfortable? Or? Yeah, it's it's a balance because I think that, you know, Again, we we talked about marketing earlier. What we're able to market and share is that passion, that intensity. And mm-hmm. there's no better example of that than what happens on the racetrack. Um, and so we want to showcase that to, to fans, either current fans or, or potential fans. But you know, we also have drivers, like you said, that we work with each and every week. They have sponsor obligations. They've got you know business um, consideration. So we have to really strike the right balance um, and, you know, figure out how to promote that intensity and drama without, um, you know, going too far on one side or the other. So we have to be mindful of that. Um, but as you mentioned, I think as a fan, um, you look at that and you that's the reason you watch. You want to mm-hmm. see, you know, these drivers do unexpected things and um, and interesting things and and you want to see more of it. So right. that's what uh, what drives the the interest. As long as you feel like you're promoting it in a fair way, if a driver says, hey, why'd you use that highlight over right. and over again? Your answer is, well, because that's why people watch this. Yeah, <laughs> essentially. Think, you know, in yeah. many cases, Nate, you'll see, you know, there'll be some things that, that NASCAR doesn't promote, mm-hmm. but, you know, and when we try to take a yeah. – take <laughs> yeah. A different view but we know that our partners are going to do that and so in some cases there's different roles for each you know you mentioned the ecosystem uh to play in all of these and um you know that allows us to figure out what things to promote and when or, or allow others to do it okay now this is the last one i promise you so you said you're going to be taping these uh segments after each uh cutoff race yes do you, is that like in california or is that here or is that like 
somewhere. Well, at the risk of getting myself in trouble, uh-uh. it's in Vancouver. And oh, so this will be wow. my third, the next trip, um, which will be October 3rd, I believe, um, will be my third trip to Vancouver, which it's hard to, to defend that to bosses and coworkers <laughs> and things like that. Um, but you know, the, we shoot there and they've got some, you know, some good place that, you know, it's an unbelievable, mm-hmm. um, film community and, yep. and ways to, to partner up there. So we shoot them there, which actually is going to help us in this time crunch that we're going to have to get these things shot. And then on air, the three hour time difference will allow them to shoot, edit and kind of get it over here. So, um, yes, I, I have another trip to Vancouver planned and probably maybe two more before the end of the year don't oh, tell anybody Jill. i'm so <laughs> jealous as a long a long ago fan of the x-files i'm well aware that vancouver is is a great production yeah. location so yeah you're completely justified there no re- no reason to be Thank worried you. there and does a driver get a free expense paid trip there no then? yeah oh, the okay. driver's schedule are such a premium that yeah. we have to do everything we can to to minimize that and, and work around that so we either use footage that we already shot or you know we use race footage to showcase that driver um, so we've got to be creative. And, and again, that's the, the excitement of it is that we don't know what's going to happen right. in the first round of the chase. So, um, so we couldn't pre-shoot, you know, more footage of driver X over Y because we don't know who's going to end up, you know, who's going to win over at the last minute to, to make it into the chase. So we've, we had to do as much as we could ahead of time, but there's still some variables that we're not going to be able to. Uh, anticipate and that's going to be the fun of it I guess that's why you'll be in British Columbia and I won't oh well that's right well you know what maybe there's some behind the scenes yeah maybe I can production (laughs) you know beg my way out there okay we can get you out there for well after being after tolerating all these tough questions I hope you would still allow me to swing by absolutely you're welcome anytime all right thanks so much for doing this Joe I really enjoyed it and I appreciate your insight thanks for having me Nate Our thanks again to Joe Gregory for joining us. Thanks as well to David Higdon and Matt Norby of NASCAR for helping coordinate and schedule the conversation. Thanks as always to Tess Quinlan for producing the NASCAR and NBC podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes for automatic downloads of new episodes. And as always, the NASCAR and NBC podcast also available on Audioboom, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, virtually any method of listening to a podcast. That's where you can check out places to find the NASCAR NBC podcast as well as the NBC Sports podcasting lineup. If you have ideas for guests, suggestions, questions, please send me feedback on Twitter at Nate Ryan. Thanks again for listening. We appreciate it and hope you enjoy it. I'm Steve Letart, STP auto expert and former crew chief. I know what it takes to keep engines performing at their best. STP's latest breakthrough additive, STP Ultra 5-in-1 plus Fuel System Cleaner plus Fuel Stabilizer delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline and helps keep fuel fresh during storage. For over 60 years, STP has been on the cutting edge developing products to help engines run better, longer. One bottle contains three times by weight the amount of cleaning agents compared to 20 gallons of the leading premium gasoline. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.